0: For more than four decades, since the 1980s, pointing and clicking has been the primary method of using a personal computer.
1: Meet the Microsoft mouse
0: line. There's a mouse for everyone, whether you're an expert or first-time buyer. Let's
1: start with the basics.
0: Of course, the traditional computer mouse is not going away anytime soon. But what if it could be augmented more frequently by simply thinking and typing? rather than hunting around on your computer for some sort of setting or other solution to whatever you're trying to do. That's one promise of AI. Rather than remembering the keyboard shortcut to take a screenshot or the setting to shift the screen into dark mode, for example, you could just tell the computer what you want it to do in natural language. That, at least, is what Microsoft is promising with the development of Windows Copilot. It's an adaptation of its open AI-powered Bing search chatbot that will be integrated directly into the operating system, showing as a persistent sidebar once it's activated by users via a new taskbar button.
1: Next, we're bringing the Copilot to the biggest canvas of all, Windows. I think that this is going to make Every user, a power user of Windows.
0: That's Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella unveiling Windows Copilot in late May at the company's Build developer conference. Here's how it was explained by Panos Panay, the Microsoft chief product officer for Windows and devices.
1: I need to cast my screen to the TV. All right, that's a power user move on Windows. Not anymore. Just write it down and watch it happen.
0: In addition to letting users interact with Windows in a new way, Windows Copilot will integrate with third party apps via plugins. This week, the company started to give users in the dev channel of the Windows Insider Preview Program a very early look at device. Windows Copilot. I mean
1: is it can control parts of your system uh, in addition to all of the Bing Chat stuff Bing Chat can normally do. So, for example, I can turn dark mode off here. So I type that in, it's searching for the right action. And it says, hey, sure, would you like to switch to light mode? You select yes. And just like that, you've now switched to light mode.
0: That is Zach Bowden of the news site Windows Central, taking a first look at Windows Copilot this week in a video that we'll link to in the show notes on this podcast. So what does all this mean for the future of Windows and computing? I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and on this episode of the GeekWire podcast, we're featuring my conversation with Aaron Woodman, the Windows Vice President of Marketing, recorded shortly after Windows Copilot was unveiled a few weeks ago. That's coming up right after this break. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Aaron Woodman is Microsoft Windows vice president of marketing.
1: It's not something that has come out of the blue for us. Obviously, if you were at Build last year, we started talking about this vision around the hybrid platform for AI. Um, But but you're really starting to see that news kind of stack up like dominoes for the company. And certainly Windows is a critical component of it. It's really fueled by kind of a core belief that AI is going to be transformational uh, across technology. But certainly that's going to be true in terms of how it's going to transform how we expect people to use the PC and what they turn to Windows for.
0: So here is my big picture armchair theory on all of this, Aaron. From my perspective, Windows did not capitalize on the cloud as much as a couple other Microsoft divisions like server and productivity. I can already see you disagreeing, which is great. And it seems like Windows is determined to get out ahead of AI here. Am I on the right track?
1: I don't I don't like the articulation of Windows didn't capitalize on the cloud. It's one of the things that's been really powerful around Windows and it continues to both grow in users and use, usefulness is it is the operating system that primarily delivers a PC functionality. And like if you look at Windows as a whole, you know, we see more users spending more time with better engagement on Windows than really ever. So I don't I don't know if that's been a missing link. The other thing is You know, when I think about Windows in the cloud, if you think about a longer horizon, Windows has really been on kind of the forefront. We now ship more bits over the internet than I think almost any other company on a regular basis for cloud delivery updates. Um, You've seen us actually take the entire Windows ecosystem, not just for uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, but also with Windows 365 and deliver it from a cloud specific component. And so I want to be careful because I think we've been on that cloud journey. You are right though, that Windows wants to be at the forefront and really believes it's going to be the stage in which a lot of this AI innovation comes to task and gets rationalized for customers. And so, you know, I don't totally agree with the orientation around Windows and Cloud. I think we're on that um, kind of continuum. I do believe that Windows is going to be at the forefront of that AR transformation, not just for Microsoft, but, but for a lot of our developers and for our customers.
0: The thing that I'm thinking about when I say that is I track the revenue from the 10K filings and the 10Q filings, and you can see where server and office just have taken off as they've adopted the cloud. And of course, you've had OneDrive integration and key things, but you haven't had that tailwind except for perhaps with the potential from cloud PCs, but that was a little later in the game. You can see where I'm I'm coming from there.
1: Yeah, I would say internally, we've thought about it differently. And it's partially because Windows, as, as we think about it in terms of financial reporting, a lot of times shows up as our licensing business, which is true. It's a super healthy business, certainly has ups and downs, um, but, uh, but it's also a relatively stable business. The one thing I think sometimes we forget is a huge portion of the company's interaction is really on Windows. It is about helping customers find that value and right-fitting that value. Our search business is a good example of that. AI is going to be an example of that. And while it won't show up in the P&L against Windows, Windows plays a critical role in helping find those customers right fit, introduce them to their technology uh, in a way that's really low cost and, and best suited for those customers. And so it, it might be because of the way we report versus kind of the strategic lens we have on Windows.
0: When you look at Windows Copilot, I imagine the cynical view might be, "Ah, this is search on steroids." But there's a lot more to it. From what Panos showed in the demo today, and what Satya alluded to yesterday, can you give me a sense for what Windows Copilot will do for users on Windows?
1: Yeah, I think one of the opportunities is you know to really embrace workflows that customers have, whether they're commercial workflows or consumer workflows around how people interact with. Applications, whether they're things like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and how people interact with uh, the browser and content from the web and how people interact to your point on search, and really give some rationalization on an assisted way to actually complete those tasks in a way that's always persistent, accessible. So I think you know it's easy sometimes to say, like, oh, it's it's just search in a new way, but but really chat is not search. It is a very, very different mode of working. And the ability to have content flow between those applications and in those tasks, I think is going to be really change how you think about it, several of which really break the wall of chat to Windows experiences. One of the things I think customers are really going to see firsthand is when you start using chat uh, and can manipulate the underlying system properties or chat Calls a plugin that has the ability to render the full rich application, so you you maximize screen real estate. That's going to feel like a very different interaction model. And so, you know, I, I don't mind the like, is search going to be more accessible and useful? Yes, I think that's true with chat. I think where Windows Copilot has the ability to do is is kind of really stitch those experiences together, be present, be available, and then really connect that chat experience back into the rich applications they've, they they kind of come to love on Windows.
0: The phrase that came to mind for me was, it's as if you're shifting from point and click to think and do. How about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And the the reason I say that is customers actually don't want applications or, you know, they want to complete tasks. You know, the job isn't uh, load the browser, load PowerPoint, whatever it is. It's I want to communicate my ideas around the next product launch or, you know, my ideas are for a nonprofit. That's the thing customers want to get to. We've just programmatically given them tools to do that and I think you can certainly imagine a world where we're going to have the ability to accelerate that and really focus on the task um, much more so than the applications or, or manipulating the underlying computer.
0: I'm curious about where the seam will be between the plugins and the native functionality of Windows Copilot. Like how much will Copilot without a plugin be able to control or interact with an app? How much will developers need to do to create these plugins to be effective? I know some of this is probably still being worked out. This is very yeah. early, but I'm curious about that whole interaction.
1: First of all, you're dead right. This is um you know we're we're trying to figure that out. We're taking feedback from developers. We're obviously working really closely with with open AI. And so there's a lot to work through. There are some things that I really care about, though. Um, and And specifically, when I think about the principles we want to use as a company when it comes to AI and specifically around the implementation of plugins on Windows, is how do we think about fairness, reliability, safety, privacy, security, inclusiveness, transparency, and accountability. Those are important principles. Because I want to make sure that customers are in control. You know, they get to activate, and that that does require them then to choose where, which plugin, and what credentials to have permissions to. Customers can choose to interact with Windows Copilot, including uh, turn that off, and then we want to make sure that developers that have interactions in which chat and applications actually cross over that that's transparent from the get go for customers, and so. You know what I would say is first and foremost right now, you know we're principle led and then we're we're working those details um, honestly in real time, and so that's kind of where we're at in the stage if if that makes sense. The the only other thing I would add, Todd, is our our orientation as a company is to reduce the number of plugins and work developers have to do, regardless of where that plugin gets exposed, whether it's in a you know, chat session in the browser or in Windows Copilot or an M365 uh, business chat. Or, you know, like we want to make that a very easy, seamless technology. And then last thing is we want to use a lot of what's actually already in Windows that several developers use today to get that interaction to work under kind of some transparent and secure processes. So there are some texts that we didn't really talk about today that, that are in Windows that will allow developers to do just that.
0: But will the underlying technology infrastructure required for AI be able to keep up with a billion Windows users? That's coming up next. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and in Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. One thing that Sam Altman mentioned last week when he was testifying before Congress is that they want folks using ChatGPT less because they're running out of GPUs. What happens when you bring a billion Windows users into the era of generative AI? Are you going to have the processing power to keep up with this?
1: So first of all, we're kind of moving um, very quickly in the space. Um, Bing is uh, obviously scaling. That's really what we showed today in Windows Copilot. And so there's nothing on the horizon that says we're going to have to limit that kind of interaction. The other thing is probably less obvious at, um, at the build, but is really kind of there to address your orientation is, over time, we believe the vision is really um, better utilizing resources from the cloud and client. And so, some of the things that we talked about today, which will be really enablers to a lot of the indie devs and devs that are actually just getting started, is the ability to use these rich AI models or ML models, um, be able to uh, execute those on the client without really detailed understanding of the individual hardware experiences and APIs you would have to do. So whether those are uh, NVIDIA, AMD, uh, you know, Qualcomm, Intel, and whether they're GPU, CPU, or NPU, we want to create you know a level of simplicity because to your point. Um, over time, it's going to be possible to run on those resources, and there's going to be real value both for developers and end users where you're using those local resources versus expensive cloud resources. And so that was part of the vision we talked about last year. And this year, we really put those tools in front of developers, which with a much broader breadth of support, both in terms of the libraries, optimization, and support from the silicon providers. And we think that strategically, uh, will be a, a critical component as we think about the next five years of, of letting developers use those resources uh, locally and in the cloud.
0: Could this help you win future market share from other platforms like Mac? I mean, could, could Copilot be to Windows what the iPhone was to Apple?
1: I, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. I, I certainly hope so, but I will tell you it's not the focus. Right now, what we really believe as a company, and I certainly believe in Windows, is user experiences will improve through AI, that's that's what I believe. And so first and foremost, it's around how quickly can we put that kind of power and capabilities in the hands of customers? If you focus on that, uh, market share tends to take care of itself. And so that's our kind of belief, that's the North Star we're kind of racing against um, in in what's kind of driving a lot of the innovation, not, not some kind of what I would consider trailing indicator like market share.
0: Aaron Woodman is Microsoft Windows Vice President of Marketing. You can find related links in the show notes on this episode and at geekwire.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.